2 Timothy chapter 4, I'm going to warn you ahead of time, I don't know if I've ever had nine pages of notes before. <laughs> if you're wondering why there were one, was one less song, I texted uh, Eric last night and I said, I'm looking at this bro and I've got nine pages here. And um, having said that, there's so much I had to leave out because I've entitled the morning's message, Looking Back and Looking Ahead. So as we read these verses, I'll come back. Um, I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke. I'm going to be coming back to that because I actually did that this morning. Exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth to be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things. Endure affliction, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. We have a tendency at this time of year to look back at the last year we went through and reflect. Things we could have done, things we should have done, glad I did this, wish I hadn't have done that. And uh, it leads us to make New Year's resolutions that um, we try to correct those things. Um, if it's losing weight and getting in better shape, that usually lasts till the end of January. <laughs> I always watch the increase go up at the YMCA for the first month, and then in February it goes back down to where it was. And I also want to look ahead to the coming new year. We as Christians have a different perspective of the coming new year, and think perhaps this year the Lord could actually come back. I just got back from a conference that talks, Tommy Ice always ends his um, studies with Maranatha, the Lord cometh. We also have a saying perhaps today. And as we're going to see that the Lord clearly lays out events that are going to lead to that. And because of the decline in our society, um, we should be all more, all the more watching and looking. If you're taking notes right now, I'm quoting Matthew 24, 42, Matthew 25, 13, and Mark 13, verse 35, which says, Watch, therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. Matthew 25, Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Mark, Watch, therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming in the evening at midnight or at the crowing of the rooster or in the morning. Luke 21, Jesus said, now when these things begin to happen, look up, lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing nigh. Well, it begs the question. When these things, the question is, what things? The Bible clearly lays out things that we should be looking for that would cause us to be ready and watching for that event to happen. 
The main signs of looking back at the last days. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 24. Clearly, many times in the Old Testament, if it's talking about a local prophecy, it says so. But then it'll say something like this. To Daniel, it says, this pertains to the latter years or the latter days. And so in Matthew uh, chapter 24, um, picking it up in verse 32, it's a parable that Jesus told called the parable of the fig tree. Pastor Chuck actually made a, a video of this. And basically, it's the whole story of the rebirth of the nation of Israel from when they first came to the land and how it's blossomed into what it is today. Verse 32, this is in light of a question that the disciples asked him about what is the sign of your coming? And then it also referred to, uh, back, we'll be coming back to this earlier, um, what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And the main sign that you know that we are living in the last days is because of the rebirth of the nation of Israel. And that's what this parable is about. Verse 32, now learn the parable from the fig tree. When its branches are to become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near at the very door. Surely I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. So he's talking about a sign. So to start our study, we've got to have a starting point. If we make a statement where the Lord tells us to watch for his coming, and then he specifically narrows out a generation. Well, this is the 71st year that Israel is a nation, after not being a nation since 70 AD. So now we have the time frame. Now we should be looking, but what I see happening in 2019, I've seen such a decline in our society, in our politics, the move towards socialism, and the decline of the church as it wanes in getting away from the authority of this book, um, developing programs, I'll be, that'll be one of our topics this morning, as we see a falling away. I read an article just this last week, is America in the shadows of Europe, which really is not Christian in any, any way, shape, or form. There's still a remnant here, but it it's clearly is in decline, as, as we read in 2 Timothy um, 4. We see it in the political realm with a move towards socialism. We see it in the church as uh, we get away from the authority of scripture. Uh, Paul foretells this falling away. If you're taking notes in Second Thessalonians, he says, now brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him. So he, here is a reference to the rapture because it talks about us going to him. At the second coming, Jesus comes, we come with the Lord. So there's a difference here. Not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or word or by letter, as it was as though the day of Christ had come. Now the day of Christ 
is a, not the, a reference to the rapture, but it's actually a reference to the day of Christ when he judges the earth. But he gives a time frame in verse three, let no one deceive you by any means, for the day will not come. What, a falling away. Uh, actually, Tommy Ice actually believes this is a reference to the rapture. I would not debate that one way or the other. It could be one or the other. I personally feel it's a falling away from the faith. So I'll read it in that context. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless a falling away, apostasia, come first, and then the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. So we see a falling away, and we began to see the falling away. The starting point would have been the rebirth of the nation of Israel. But I'm going to uh, share personally with you this morning when I think it happened. I believe we were when we were in Dallas, I, I, I talked to Judy, and I said, Judy, I've been downtown Dallas where they shot Kennedy. And I think every person should be able to go to that place. I went to the window where Oswald actually shot, and I went to the very spot, and I just wanted to stand there. And I left there, my sister's daughter was getting married, and in the same week I went to Arlington. So I actually saw the place where he was shot, I went to Arlington and actually saw the eternal flame in one week. I call it the end of the innocence in 1962 when that happened. It was, the world changed during that period of time. Before it, it was one world. After it, it was another world. And so I given it the title, I, I have to admit I stole it from the Eagles, <laughs> the end of the innocence. But then we went into the 60s. We had a slogan in the 60s. Turn on, tune in, drop out. Given to us by Timothy Leary. And my generation in the 60s did exactly that. We have seen a steady moral decline since Roe v. Wade in 1973. I'm going to address that more because of the incident this morning in just a bit. In 1963, one year after Kennedy, Murray versus Curlett case, the Supreme Court expanded on their 1962 decision to ban mandatory Bible reading in schools, thus finishing the government's drive to remove the Christian faith from the nation's educational system. And we've seen, since that happened, even more of a decline. We have seen the decline, but not like this year. The decline has accelerated exponentially And we have gone um, from an age of innocence to a society that some of us can't believe what's happening in our country. Um, Roe v. Wade in 1973 um, was, of course, when abortion was legalized. And I'm going to put something on screen right now, and then I'm going to address the issue of what happened outside of our fellowship this morning. There's ways that you can make a point and get it across, and then I'm going to address biblically. These are not in my notes, but I'll add to it because of the events that happened this morning. 
So what I'm going to put on screen right now is um, in men's prayer meeting yesterday, we were in, go ahead and put a picture up of Moloch. Uh, the guys at men's prayer yesterday were in First Kings, and it's the fall of Solomon. And the reason he fell as the Lord said, don't multiply horses and don't multiply wives because they'll turn your heart away. And that's exactly what happened. And he began to build idols and to Ashtroth. He made one to Moloch. Go ahead and check it out. It's in First Kings. We were talking about it yesterday. I said, this, I said guys, this is interesting because I'm going to put a picture of Moloch up there. And the, the way you sacrificed uh, to him was actually putting your child into his glowing red hands. Now, what I'm not showing you right now is glowing red hands and a, a baby being burned on it. That is not, it's, it's something that I will address from the pulpit because it's wrong, but I would never do the graphics of it because I believe it's out of order and it's not decent. It's not decently in an order, and according to Corinthians, all things are to be done decently in order. It doesn't mean we avert the issue. It doesn't mean I don't tell you that this really happened to Solomon and that they actually, um, this actually happened to them. I'm quoting 1 Kings 11.17. Then Solomon built a high place for Kamash, the abomination of Moab, and on the hill that is east of Jerusalem and of Moloch, the abomination of the people of Ammon. This right here is outside the Colosseum in Rome today. They just put it up. And so we have, of uh, having a picture, an idol of Moloch in front of the Colosseum, one of the most visited places on the planet. Since 1973, 60 million babies have been aborted. Um, before I go to Romans 1 and talk about the reprobate of the mind, let me address the issue. This was not in my notes, but I'm going to have you turn to Hebrews 13. There's not too many times as a pastor I have to read this verse. Matter of fact, I would only read it if we were teaching through chapter by chapter and verse by verse. We had a family outside the church this morning that felt Calvary Chapel of Appleton was a place to show some of the most grotesque pictures of aborted fetuses um, that you can possibly ever imagine. And when I saw it, I went out and addressed it. Um, and he said they had every right to be there. And I said, you know what? I'm addressing this issue this morning. And um, showed him the text that I'm quoting from. I told him about the 60 million. I said, there's a whole lot of other churches in town um, that are not addressing this issue this morning. And I am. And I said, I, want, I think what you're doing is out of order. And I said, do you have a church? He goes, no. And he says, do you have a pastor? And he said, no. And then he said, yes, which is some probably TV pastor that he has absolutely no accountability to. And I said, you're out of order. And he says, no, I'm a Christian. I said, no, you're out of order. And I raised my voice and rebuked him. Why did I do that? Well, I'll read this verse. Um, In the local church, if things are to be done decently and in order, then there has to be somebody to make sure things are kept decently in order. At Calvary Chapel, we have a board, and 
several pastors, and I'm the senior pastor. Verse 7 said, Remember those who rule over you and have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. Why? Read verse 17. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls. As those who must give an account, let them do so with joy, not with grief, for that would be unprofitable to you. What was uh, out of order and needed a rebuke is this person has no pastor. They're doing their own thing. And uh, as a result, he has nobody to give an account to. God established the church with an order. And I would never go to this scripture unless an event like this happened this morning. I want you to know why I did what I did. And I called this guy out on it. I said, you are out of order. This is not done decently in order. This is being addressed at Calvary Chapel of Appleton this morning. And you should be at a place where um, they actually are neutral on this particular issue. And uh, I'm, I'm addressing it openly here this morning. And so if you hear rumors or whatever, the police were involved. I, had, I told uh, our security team to um, call the police. And um, that's what happened. But how do you, people like this, how should it be dealt with? Biblically. And what, how, what does the Bible say about it? They have no accountability. Their accountability only to what their own personal feelings are. And as the scripture says, he has no church, he has no pastor, and therefore they're going out and, um, in my opinion, doing things not decently and certainly, certainly not decently, and certainly, in my opinion, not in order. Does the issue need to be addressed? Good place for an amen. amen. Have I addressed it this morning? Have I even showed pictures, but without taking it too far? And um, I say that because if anybody here would ever decide to join people like this, I would go and talk to you. And um, I gotta be careful not to take too much time in here because I had nine pages of notes. <laughs> but it needed to be addressed. I hope it's been addressed and I hope it answers any questions that you may have. Turn with me to Romans chapter one. Romans chapter one. Romans chapter one, verse 18, shows us decline as, I'm switching gears now to uh, the other hot topic of our time, the decline in morality in the gay and lesbian community. Verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Now this is interesting. They know the truth, but they purposely suppress it. Why? Because they can continue living their evil lifestyles. Not that they don't know that there's a God. This verse tells me that there's no such thing as an atheist. Oh, I'm an atheist. Oh, I'm an agnostic. When somebody tells me that, I say, no, you're not. What do you mean? You can't say, no, I'm not. I just said I was. Well, then I'm calling you a liar. (laughs) Because the Bible says that you know the truth and you're simply suppressing it. 
because what may be known of God is manifested in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so they are without excuse. In other words, you go watch a sunset and the beauty of it rising or setting or a, um, a beautiful day, and you know that there's a God. Uh, the fact that you can love and interact and communicate. Um, um, we are without excuse because of creation. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts. Their foolish hearts were darkened. They professed themselves to be wise. They became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up to uncleanness and the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creator rather uh, the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever amen now in canada reading this right now the police would be here and i would be removed because speaking out against us is a hate crime um, in canada and slowly um, making its way uh, throughout the world as we see more and more decline. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing things which are shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. Verse 28 is what I'm looking for. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over. That is a scary thought. To what? To a debased mind. That's what we see happening in the United States in 2019 as it has steadily increased and coming of what we would say, coming out of the closet. No, they're parading in the streets. That's where it's gone to. To a debased mind to do things which are not fitting, uh, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, they are backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of things, and disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who know the righteous judgments of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. You know that in many communities today, many people consider what I just read hate speech or hate crime. I'm going to give you some personal examples of what has happened just this year. Hallmark, greeting cards, innocent enough, uh, had in the past promoted gay, lesbian cards, but they removed them. There was pressure. But under pressure, they have this year reinstated them. In California right now, I looked up this 
yesterday to make sure I had my facts straight. Uh, the, the law that they passed in the school system for sex education. Um, kindergarten through third grade class. They have a class on gender identity. Are you a boy or are you a girl? Can you have, imagine the, the, the impression of that age group from kindergarten to third grade? Um, from four to six, um, they discuss sexual feelings, including, and I'm, I talked to my wife about this this morning. I said, the word they use here, I can't, I don't think we should use. I'll just say sexually gratify yourself. And then you can figure out the word for yourself. Because I don't think that's decently in an order. You can make a statement, but again, doing it in such a way that you're making the point. But the point is this. In California, between fourth and sixth grade, sexual feelings and how to gratify yourself um, is shocking, and it should be shocking. And in grade seven through eight, um, um, they have um, consent uh, sexually, and then the difference between that and sexual abuse, having classes on that. Between ninth grade and twelfth grade, contraception and healthy sex relationships, including advice for LGBTQ students. This is being in the public school systems right now in California. For the biblical record on these issues that I just read, what does God's word have to say? Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and we'll pick it up in verse 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicator, nor idolater, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites. Let me just say that the Lord clumps them all together. He doesn't say the homosexual or the sodomite is any different than one who commits fornication or adultery, or basically sex out of marriage. He clumps them all together. But the most important thing I could read to you here is do not be deceived. And we look around our country I'm watching commercials all the time of same-sex couples on commercials between football games. And you're, and you're seeing them too. And we go, did I, I looked at Judy the other day and said, did I see what I think I just really saw? And she said, you sure did. Nor thieves, nor covetousness, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. What is this verse telling you? That if you're involved in this lifestyle, and you think you're a Christian, and you think you're going to heaven, you are not. Do you realize how politically incorrect the statement I just made? That's hate speech. You can't say that. Well, if we're going to be true to God's word and not back down, men, you need to be men. Men, you need to stand up and not compromise in any way, shape, or form of what this book has to say. Well, I don't feel that way. I think all things are relative. That's right for you, but it's not right for me. Well, I'm afraid that's not who I am. I am a born-again, Bible-believing Christian. It has nothing to do with me. I'm simply an instrument reading this book to you. Oh, Pastor Dwight said. No, Pastor Dwight didn't say anything. 
Pastor Dwight read 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. Nothing more, nothing less. And you let it sit with that. The word of God says when you give the word of God, it will not return void. And those who disagree with it, it'll be like a broken record going around in their head. You just make sure that you say it with authority. I always put it in my notes uh, before I give a message. Speak as an oracle of God. I'm just an ordinary man. Weaknesses, shortcomings, but when it comes to standing up and addressing the word of God, then it says you speak as an oracle of God as if God was speaking himself. Might be a good place for me. I know who I am, but I know who this book is, and I know what the book tells, uh, the guidelines that it lays down. Do not be deceived. Is our country deceived? Much more so than ever in 2019. Let's move it along to um, uh, little girls uh, having temper tantrums. Her name is Greta Thunberg. I'm talking about the environment now. Greta Thunberg condemns world leaders in an emotional speech at UN. I don't call it an emotional speech. I I look at it as a little temper tantrum. Greta Thunberg uh, had um, extricated world leaders for their betrayal of young people through their inertia over climate crisis at the United Nations summit that failed to deliver uh, an ambitious new uh, commitment to address dangerous global heating. How many of you saw this little girl with her little temper tantrum? I don't believe she could have been much more than, oh, she's 16. This is what her home nation of Sweden did. She was named successor to Jesus by her home nation of Sweden because of her statements. And I go, you gotta be kidding me. The Pope calls for globalism and climate change. And he says, fundamentalist Christians are a scourge to society. That's this year, my friends, as it's becoming more and more, as we see um, the formation for a one world religion and also for one world government. Okay, that's the environment. What about the economy? Both Target, Amazon, Barnes and Noble sell and promote this book. And I'm gonna put it up on the screen at this time. The book is called Children's Book of Demons. And it is being sold in Target, Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Growing up as a kid, it was just the Ouija board. Now there's, uh, it's developed and gone even farther and farther in commerce. If we turn to page two, technology. Um, I'm not too familiar with this, so I had to do a little research. But um, we're being introduced to artificial intelligence in 2019 as, as it's become more popular. You see quite a bit of commercials on it. I'm quoting a paragraph here. One day in 2017, Alexa went rogue when Martin Josephson, who lives in London, came home from work. He heard his Amazon Echo Dot voice assistant spitting out fragmented comments seemingly based on his previous interaction with the device. 
and appeared to be regurgitating requests to book train tickets for journeys he had taken to record TV shows that he had already watched. Josephson had not said the word Alexa. Now, if you're not too uh, techie savvy like a lot of young people are, uh, Alexi, when you say the name, it activates itself. And you can say, uh, you can be driving home and you can have the lights turned on. Everybody's seen the commercials at the temperature at 71 degrees. And we've gotten to that place in our technology where it really makes me wonder about um, um, the beast that's going to come to life in Revelation chapter 13. This was especially interesting because Josephson, that's not his real name, was a former Amazon employee. Three years earlier, he had volunteered to sit in a room reciting a string of apparently meaningless phrases into a microphone for an undisclosed purpose. Only when Amazon released the Echo in the U.S. in 2014 did he realize what he had been working on. I might say this, you're being watched all the time. Um, China has developed technology that has face uh, recognition and they can recognize anybody at any time at any place and they can tell you exactly who you are and that's what we know. Can you imagine what we don't know? (laughs) Even the the doorbells that are are supposed to be recording people that are coming in, no, I just saw a commercial in doing this research that they're really picking up just as much on you as you think you're picking up on somebody else. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 24 again. Again, I'm switching gears and touching on different subjects. I want to, um, again, remind you that the disciples were curious about the last days, what it would be like. And we read in verse four through eight, Take heed, no one deceive you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am Christ, will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled. I'll come back to that. For all these things must come to pass. The end is not yet. Uh, Nation will rise against nation. I'll address that. Kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in various places. I don't have to tell you about the famine that's happening in Haiti right now, people are dying. People are killing other people because they don't have food. And that's personal to us because of um, Calvary Chapel in Carnet. Um, but I wanted something as it related, we're always having earthquakes. Matter of fact, this last week alone, we had 1,200 earthquakes in the U.S., but I'm interested in one that came out of on Christmas Eve in Southern California. And again, I'll just read this as it deals with earthquakes. Because of the extreme damage that a major West Coast um, uh, earthquake event would do to our economy and to our infrastructure, all of our lives will dramatically change the moment it happens. So it's understandable why so many people are alarmed by the tremendous shaking that we have witnessed over the past few days. As Americans all over America were celebrating Christmas, the state of California 
was shaken by nine significant earthquakes, and farther north, the city of Vancouver was rattled by a magnitude 6.3 quake. A series of earthquakes on Christmas Eve and before dawn Christmas morning hit around California, and a much bigger 6.3 shook off of Vancouver. At least nine earthquakes in 24 hours reaching up to a 3.2 magnitude, shook California from Los Angeles north uh, to Chico, uh, the U.S. Geological Survey reports. The other quakes swarm in ranges from 2.5 to 3 and stretch the entire state according to the Geographical Survey reports. As I repeatedly stress, we live at a time when our planet is becoming increasingly unstable. Maybe it won't happen this week. Maybe it won't happen this month. But scientists assure us that a major um, earthquake disaster, they're coming uh, to the West Coast. It's simply a matter of time, and time may be running out a whole lot more rapidly than most people dare to imagine. Okay, that's what they're saying just over a week ago. And what the Lord said, what, what's going to be one of the signs of the last generation? Earthquakes in various places. On Christmas Day, I got hooked on watching the greatest of National Geographic shows. Anybody else see that? And one of them that they had was Yellowstone. And they went into detail describing what would happen if that one ever blew. Because what it is is a giant, of course, volcano. And it has, uh, that's why you have the Old Faithful and all the geysers, because the magma is actually building. They say if it goes, it'll pretty much wipe out the country. Everybody within 100 miles of it will be immediately killed. And the ashes will reach as far as Wisconsin. And everything in that area plant-wise, will be killed. And um, uh, they were talking about it in a way like they've never talked about it before. And um, I was just watching that this week. So what are the things the Lord says to look out for? We're dealing with it personally right now in Haiti, and uh, they're dealing with it personally in California uh, over their Christmas season. Let's look at Matthew 24, verse 7. Matthew 24, verse 7 says, nation will rise against nation. Um, This is happening. It hasn't been making much news, but Russia's top general warns NATO could spark large-scale military conflict by staging exercise near eastern European borders. Now, it talks about wars, and then it talks about Rumors of wars, okay? I'm going to put the picture of this guy on the screen. He's the top general, and he's shaking his finger at NATO because of the large-scale buildup, and I'm not even going to pretend to try to pronounce his last name. Uh, NATO exercises near the Russian border could spark a large-scale military conflict Moscow's top general has claimed. Valery, I give up on his last name, Russian, said yesterday that Western pressure on 
Russia could trigger crisis situation which might spin out of control and provoke, get this, World War III. That's what you call a rumor of war. It goes on to say, speaking to foreign military um, attaches, he accuses NATO of heightening uh, tensions in Europe and reducing security along the Russian border. NATO has staged drills in countries bordering Russia, including Norway, uh, Estonia this year, while Moscow has also staged extensive war games with, at their worst, uh, it's been since, it's at its worst since the Cold War. Switching gears, this year, Iran invaded Saudi Arabia oil field with drones and crews missiles. They just flew right in and took out and disrupted the whole economy of oil for a certain period of time. What were the consequences for that event? Absolutely nothing. But I'll tell you why it's interesting to me. And I'm talking with Elijah Abraham, he says, well, you don't know the animosity and the hatred between Iran and Saudi Arabia because one's Sunni and one's Shiite. And the one thing they hate more than um, Israel is themselves. And why that's interesting to me, the other thing that we have on the stage is the perfect scenario being set up for the fulfillment of Ezekiel 38 with Putin, Erdogan, and the leader of Iran. These are the three main players. I'll be putting that picture up shortly. But before that one, everybody knows that that event took place um, in Saudi Arabia. Um, Turn with me to the book of Isaiah, chapter 17, as another prophecy that has yet to be fulfilled, but I believe it could be filled this year. Chapter 17, behold Damascus. Damascus is the reason Russia is there in the first place. Uh, They have ports in Syria. The leader of Damascus is a dictator, but it says, behold, Damascus will cease from being a city. There's always an argument of what's the oldest city in the world. Is it Jericho? They say they're the oldest. Damascus says, no, we're the oldest because we're the oldest continually inhabited city. And what the Bible is saying here is going to cease to exist. Do you know that it's the terrorist headquarters in the Middle East, Damascus? How many times have the Iranians emboldened themselves to go up on the Golan Heights and just begin to lob things over? What if one of them comes up and hits and it comes out of Damascus? They got a saying in Russia, uh, Russia and Israel when we go to Masada, never again. In the six-day war, I was surprised hearing Claire's testimony that he was in Germany ready to get involved in a six-day war if it would have gone any farther. I'd never do that before about Claire. And um, they didn't know if how long that was going to last. Um, this, the six-day war, we had to do a preemptive strike against Egypt. We took out their Air Force, and as a result, it was um, uh, preemptive. In 67 or 73, I always get the two mixed up, um, but 
it looks like we're going to have to do the same thing with Iran. Uh, this could be fulfilled this year very, very easily because the, the, the stage is set for that to happen. This just within the last month, Hamas, it's called exclusive, Hamas plots attack on Israel from Turkey as Erdogan turns a blind eye. In other words, he's given a green light for Hamas to attack Israel. I'm going to put on screen the three main players of, of the Ezekiel 38, which would be Putin, Erdogan. Erdogan sees himself as um, not only the ruler of Turkey, but the leader of the Ottoman Empire. Those are his aspirations. And here we have a picture of him. These are the three main characters that make up Ezekiel 38. And because of my time frame, I can't go there. But um, these are the main ones that are involved. Erdogan, Turkey, Togarma there, Russia, and Persia, which would be Iran. Now what's interesting to me is the ones who are not involved but are yet Muslim. Saudi Arabia is not involved in this war. They're simply standing on the sidelines saying, hey, what are you guys doing? Are you coming down here to take a spoil? Uh, Why are you coming into the Middle East? Is there anything so attractive in the Middle East that you would want to be there? I think the only reason that Russia is there, and this goes into our next current event that happened this last year, and this is a headline, Greece uh, says huge gas pipeline deal with Israel and Cyprus to be signed January 2nd. Isn't that next Wednesday? Talking about looking ahead in current events. What gas line? Well, we've talked about it, but in case you're watching live stream or you're hearing this for the first time. In 2010, Israel discovered a huge natural gas reserve off Israel's shore. They call it the Leviathan Gas Field. It holds 22 trillion cubic feet of natural gas. That's trillion with a T. And uh, all of a sudden now, Turkey wants it. They're disputing the claim. This is coming out of Athens, Greece, an article. The Greek government said Wednesday that it will sign an agreement for a huge pipeline project with Cyprus and Israel next month, next month, looking ahead, that is designed to ship gas from the eastern Mediterranean to Europe. The move comes amidst tensions with Turkey over its own activities in the area and contentions maritime deal with Libya, expanding uh, Ankara's claim over a large gas-rich area of the sea. It isn't. It's all in Israeli territory, but they're... they're um, rattling their sabers anyway, saying they want it. Uh, Greek uh, minister's office said the agreement for the East East, uh, Pipeline would be signed in Athens on January 2nd with Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu 
and Cyprus President Nicholas Anastrosides, and I pronounced it wrong. Uh, the 1,200-mile pipeline will be able to transfer between 9 and 12 billion cubic meters a year from offshore gas reserves between Israel and Cyprus to Greece and then to Italy and other southern European countries. Uh, The discovery of hydrocarbon reserves in the eastern Mediterranean has sparked a scramble for the energy riches and a dispute between Cyprus and Turkey, uh, which has occupied the north of the Mediterranean islands since 1974. But who wants it all? Russia. They're the ones who really want it. Why? They're in an economic crisis in their country. Their major export is gas and oil to Europe. And they've threatened to to cut it off, and they have a monopoly, so to speak. All of a sudden, no monopoly. All of a sudden, a major new competition in the picture. It says in Ezekiel 38, the reason they come down is to take a spoil. Just knock off the first two letters, gig. <laughs> They're coming down from the oil. Huge, huge oil discovery of high-quality oil found on the Golan Heights, Israeli property. And so we either see these things, my friends, or we do not see these. Then, let's go back to Matthew 24. I gotta look at my time here. Okay, I'm surprised. Matthew 24, if I knew I had, was just doing this good, I would have had nine more pages of notes. Okay, it goes on to say, Matthew 24, verse um, four and five. Um, many will come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and deceive many. Look at verse 11. Many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Verse 24, false Christ and false prophets will show great signs and wonders and deceive, the, uh, deceive many. In other words, we have um, um, false teaching and false Christ coming into the church. There's too many to even mention. But the one I think is probably the most dangerous is um, the one out of Southern California, Bill Johnson. What's the name of his church again? Bethel. Bethel, thank you very much. Um, I ran into, when we were in Israel, um, a young man from Japan helping Amun. And um, we became friends and when he found out I knew a little bit about Bible prophecy, he, he was really on fire for the Lord. He had a lot of questions. And he says, Dwight, what do you think about Bethel and Bill Johnson? And I said, it doesn't get any worse. And it caught him. It really stunned him because he thought I was going to put it in the positive. They have a very, very hyper um, worship. And it's not really worship at all. It is geared towards the kids to bring them in, and uh, Jan Markell has an excellent article um, that she has, you can Google it and look it up, where they actually are accusing them of uh, kidnapping and brainwashing uh, their children. 
But he just came out with a book. His name is Bill Johnson, and it's called When Heaven Invades Earth. The premise of the book. If I would have just read the article, it says Reddings. <laughs> Bill Johnson of Reddings, California, has become a popular teacher in one of the largest um, signs and wonders movements in the country. His book, When Heaven Invades Earth, reveals his underlying theology. Johnson believes that there will be a great end-time revival that will be initiated by what he calls the Elijah Generation, a concept from the heretical Latter Raid movement that shall transcend all other generations of Christians in regard to their ability to do great works of power. Johnson claims the following about himself. Signs, wonders, Lord, what are some of the signs of the last days? False teachers doing uh, false signs and false wonders. My friends, I've just given you one. You know I could give you a whole lot more, right? And many of them that are out there. So looking ahead with all this good news to leave you feeling really good when you leave today, looking ahead to 2020, let me put it to you this way. Let's look ahead at a biblical 20 slash 20 vision for this coming year. Did everybody get my pun? 2020 vision? Okay. Let's turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. The church is unaware, but of all people, the church of Jesus Christ should be the most aware. Picking it up in verse 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 1, but concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourself know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. When they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief, implying that we should be aware of the signs that we're studying this morning. It should not overtake us like a thief because you're sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch That's what the Lord told us to do. And remember the opening question, watch for what? And be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and a helmet and hope of salvation. For God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, perhaps today, Maranatha, The Lord could come in 2020 with all the signs that we see and we see them increasing and expanding. Who died for us, whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, scare one another to death with these words. Is that what it says? No, the Lord wants us to know the study that I gave this morning and the information and the things that we're told to look for. It's a simple question I'm asking for. Either you see these things or you don't. If we're told to watch, the question is to watch for. And then Matthew 24, the Lord tells us the things 
we are to watch for. No, therefore, comfort one another with these words just as you are doing. Luke 21, 28, what does it say again? Now when these things begin to happen, look up because your redemption draws nigh. Again, the simple question in closing this morning is do you see these things happening? It's an easy yes or no question. Either you do if you don't. Um, The last one is in Hebrews chapter 10. So please turn to Hebrews chapter 10. It'll be the last one I ask you to turn to this morning. Hebrews 10 verse 23. What do we do in light of all these things? Well, first of all, we don't hold our finger in, our, in the air and say which way is the church wind blowing today and let's do that. No, we're to stay the course. That foundation that we read from Acts chapter two, Bible study, the apostles' doctrine, prayer, fellowship, and communion. Gang, that's doable for 2020. Just keep on doing that. Stay the course. Uh, uh, we're not interested in changing anything at Calvary Chapel of Appleton. Just do what we've been doing for the last 40 years, and hopefully the Lord will come in 2020. There's a good place for an amen. amen. Let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is. Our friends outside this morning, they have no fellowship. Uh, They have, um, as they are, the manner of some is. We're told just to do the opposite. We are to continue um, to not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as some do, but exhort one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Can you believe we're in 2020? Well, not yet. We'll be in a couple days. (laughs) 2020? And do you see the day approaching? And the question is, we do. Lord, what should we do? Keep doing what you've always done. Stay the course and be faithful. It's doable. And um, the Lord says, if you do that, he's got a plan. He's not appointed us to wrath. He says, therefore, comfort one another with these words. Amen? Let's stand and pray. Lord, as we enter into the end of a year, as we look back, we see that our world has changed so much since the death of President Kennedy. Uh, The moral decline of the 60s that has only grown more and more, the falling away in the church, the the rise in technology. Um, And we see these things, Lord, and your word clearly addresses them. Lord, we're thankful because you've given to us the word of God because it tells us what to do and how to do it in 2020. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Either you see these things or you don't. 
if we're told to watch, the question is to watch for. And then Matthew 24, the Lord tells us the things we are to watch for. No, therefore, comfort one another with these words just as you are doing. Luke 21, 28, what does it say again? Now when these things begin to happen, look up because your redemption draws nigh. Again, the simple question in closing this morning is do you see these things happening? It's an easy yes or no question. Either you do if you don't. Um, The last one is in Hebrews chapter 10. So please turn to Hebrews chapter 10. It'll be the last one I ask you to turn to this morning. Hebrews 10, verse 23. What do we do in light of all these things? Well, first of all, we don't hold our finger in, our, in the air and say, which way is the church wind blowing today, and let's do that. No, we're to stay the course. That foundation that we read from Acts chapter two, Bible study, the apostles' doctrine, prayer, fellowship, and communion. Gang, that's doable for 2020. Just keep on doing that. Stay the course. Uh, uh, We're not interested in changing anything at Calvary Chapel of Appleton. Just do what we've been doing for the last 40 years and hopefully the Lord will come in 2020. There's a good place for an amen. amen. Let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering for he who has promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. Our friends outside this morning, they have no fellowship. Uh, They have... um, as they are the manner of some is. We're told just to do the opposite. We are to continue um, to not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as some do, but exhort one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Can you believe we're in 2020? Well, not yet. We'll be in a couple days. (laughs) 2020? And... Do you see the day approaching? And the question is, we do. Lord, what should we do? Keep doing what you've always done. Stay the course and be faithful. It's doable. And um, the Lord says, if you do that, he's got a plan. He's not appointed us to wrath. He says, therefore, comfort one another with these words. Amen? Let's stand and pray. Lord, as we enter into end of a year, as we look back, we see that our world has changed so much since the death of President Kennedy, uh, the moral decline of the 60s that has only grown more and more, the falling away in the church, the, the rise in technology, um, And we see these things, Lord, and your word clearly addresses them. Lord, we're thankful because you've given to us the word of God because it tells us what to do and how to do it in 2020. 
In Jesus' name I pray, amen.